We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Here on Stolen Lives, we discuss brutal and heartbreaking crimes against children. Themes may include child murder, torture, and sexual, domestic, and child abuse. I do try my best to remain respectful for the babies in these stories and leave out unnecessary details that, honestly, none of us need to know to understand the frustration of why and how this ever happened. However, if you find any of these themes triggering, this podcast may not be for you. Listener discretion is advised. This week's episode is a listener suggestion. Thank you to Shelby for bringing Blake's story to my attention. I hadn't heard of Blake and his sister's story before, and much like Demetrius's story we covered a few months ago in episode 107. There is just such little information out there of who Blake was and what his short life was like. But Blake was a child with so much life in front of him. From his picture, he loved sports and racing around with his baby sister. It's his smile that gets me, though. How can someone see that smile and not want to love and protect this little boy? I just don't understand people. I dare you to look at this kid and his cheeky smile and chubby cheeks and not fall in love with him. Why would anyone hurt him? But they did. And now he doesn't get a fourth birthday or to start school or to grow up. February 2012, Morgan County, Missouri. A call comes in to 911. A three-year-old had run out of his stepfather's car and was hit by a passing motorist. That the little boy was unresponsive and not breathing. But when examined, this boy's injuries were not consistent with a hit and run. And the boy's younger sister would be found with severe injuries not dissimilar to her brother. It would be clear to everyone involved this was not a tragic accident, but a homicide by abuse. This is Blake's story. February 16th, 5.12am, TJ Presley called 911. Three-year-old Blake Litton was in trouble. According to those who testified in court today, Presley said the boy had been hit by a car on a road near Missouri 135. But Deputy Michael Chin said he couldn't find an ounce of evidence to support that claim. So they started asking questions. Jamie Miller was born in 1987, a child of the foster system. But unlike so many, she'd be adopted by Jim and Levera Miller when she was only six weeks old. Jim and Levera could not have children of their own, so Jamie quickly became the centre of their entire universe. When Jamie hit her mid-teens, she started to rebel, running around with some questionable older kids and taking drugs and drinking. She would consistently, almost compulsively, lie about everything. As soon as Jamie graduated high school, she married for the first time and had two daughters, Alexis in 2006 and Holly in 2007. But this marriage wasn't great and would be marred with allegations of violence and affairs. The couple divorcing soon after the girls were born. These children are now in the care of extended family members. It wouldn't be long before Jamie would announce she was again getting married to a man named Robin Litton, 
and Jamie would again be pregnant. Blake Litton would come into the world on February 27, 2008, in what would have been a surprise to the family. Blake would quickly be joined by his little partner in crime, his sister Faith, in January of 2009, the siblings being less than 11 months apart. Now, not much is known about this time in Blake's life, only that Jamie and Robin's marriage did not last, and they would separate when the children were still only quite young. Again, like her first marriage, accusations of abuse would be a regular theme brought up in the custody battle for Blake and Faith. After two failed marriages, 24-year-old Jamie Litton began seeing 20-year-old Thomas Joseph Presley in April of 2011. At this time, Lytton and her two youngest children, three-year-old Blake and two-year-old Faith, were living in the basement of her parents' home in Sweet Springs. Within months of dating, Presley had moved in with them as well, something her parents did not approve of. Very quickly, it seems that Lytton had fallen into the same pattern she had in previous relationships. Allegations of abuse towards her and the children, drug use, damage to the property... It was clear this was not a great relationship for the children to be a part of. It got to the point where Jim and Levera didn't know what else to do, so it was either Presley goes or they all move out. Unfortunately, Lytton chose the latter, a decision Blake would have to pay for with his life. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, you know we absolutely love this week's sponsor, Factor. It's almost October, so we are headed towards the busiest time of year. Factor is the perfect way to save time in your day, while still making sure you are eating well. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store, chopping, prepping and cleaning up too. Factor delivers fresh, not frozen, dietitian approved meals right to your doorstep. All you need to do is pop a Factor meal in the microwave for literally two minutes to enjoy a delicious, well-balanced meal that will have you feeling great all day. My assistant's favourite meals so far was the roasted vegetable facili and the spicy poblano beef bowl. Factor even has a ton of add-on breakfast options like the apple cinnamon pancakes and the bacon cheddar egg bites. There are options for everyone's needs. Plus, you will never get bored as there are 34 chef-prepared weekly meal options to choose from. Head over to factormeals.com slash stolen50 and use code STOLEN50 to get 50% off. That's code STOLEN50 at factormeals.com slash STOLEN50 to get 50% off. 2012, when our story takes place. Three-year-old Blake loved playing t-ball, horses, playing the harmonica and going to Sunday school. Blake was excited about starting preschool and was due to register only a week after his death. Blake adored his baby sister and saw himself as her protector, which breaks my heart with what's to come. The pain this little guy would have felt not being able to protect his sister against what she experienced, I just hope he didn't feel guilt, like he could have done more. Even at three years old and not understanding why what was happening was happening. Blake was friendly and social. He never met a stranger. He was confident and would easily carry out a conversation with adults and children alike. He was clever and funny and wise beyond his years. January 2nd, 2012 would be the day that the family would move out of the Litton's parents' basement and in with Presley's family. Litton's father, Jim Miller, had an uneasy feeling. During their time living with him, he had noticed Blake and Faith weren't comfortable around Presley. Almost as if they were frightened of him. 
He contacted the Missouri Division of Family Services, or DFS, as we'll call them throughout this episode. But Jim contacted DFS to express his concerns. Quote, I said the kids don't want to be around him. They told me themselves. Unquote. This would also be the last day Jim saw his grandson alive. Lytton carrying little Blake out to her car whilst the three-year-old cried to stay with his papa. But it wouldn't only be Jim and his wife who were worried about the well-being of the children without their watchful eye close by. The children's father, Robin Lytton and his parents, also contacted a DFS concerned Presley may be violent towards Blake and Faith. Valentine's Day 2012 would see Lytton, Presley and the children move into their own home, a rental at 105 Oak Park Lake in Stover, Missouri, 100 miles southeast from Kansas City. It would not be 48 hours before Presley took advantage of their freedom, of no one looking over his shoulder to protect Blake and Faith. Because February 16, 2012, Presley would beat little Blake to death and concoct an unbelievable story to cover up his crime. February 15, 2012. Lytton left for her job at the Golden Age Care Centre, leaving Blake and Faith in the care of Presley. Around 1am February 16th, Presley drove to Ivy Bend to buy some methamphetamines from his dealer, before continuing on to Walmart in Versailles to purchase some food to take to Lytton for her dinner break. Sometime around 3am, Blake had soiled his pants because he's three years old and is still learning to time his toileting. It is quite normal for children of that age to have accidents in their pants, especially in the early hours of the morning when they should be asleep anyway not driving around to score drugs. But Blake's accident enrages Presley and he loses it. He began beating the child, with the heel of his hand and stomping on him. According to Presley, he said he put Blake to bed and thought he'd be fine. About 30 minutes later, he heard a thud in the kitchen and discovered the toddler unresponsive on the floor. Presley would say he thought Blake was paralysed, that he knew he was injured very badly and appeared to be gasping for breath with his eyes rolled back in his head. Presley then sent Lytton a text message when she was at work, telling her that he had quote-unquote lost it. Lytton tried to get off work at this point, that she needed to take her son to the hospital, but she was told she wasn't allowed to leave. Sometime just before 5am, Presley drove the children to the nursing home in Stover, where Jamie Lytton was working. Allegedly, Lytton told Presley to take Blake to the hospital, but he refused because Presley was worried if he did, he would go to prison for the rest of his life. It was then the couple hatched the scheme to keep Presley out of jail. Now at this stage, apparently Blake still had a pulse, but it was weak. That Lytton said she screamed Blake's name, but he didn't respond. She would say Blake had a radial pulse reading of 62 but would later admit that Blake was most likely dead at this point and the pulse she was feeling was likely her own. Lytton would later tell investigators the couple stood together and cried, and that little Blake, quote, looked peaceful in his booster seat, unquote. Peaceful, seriously. This child was just beaten to death. He wasn't napping. The only peace this child would be at would be he wouldn't be experiencing this abuse anymore. Surveillance footage from the nursing home would support this short interaction between Lytton and Presley in the car. Lytton would later tell investigators she thought Presley was taking Blake to the hospital and she went back to work. Lytton claimed the next time she heard from Presley was a text message, telling her there'd been a tragic accident and Blake was dead. 
With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 5.15am. Presley called 911 to report his stepson had been run over by a hit-and-run driver on Highway 135 near Buttons Road in Stover. Presley would claim he was driving to visit his brother in a nearby town, that he stopped alongside the road for a bathroom break, that somehow Blake had gotten out of his car seat and darted onto the road where he was struck by a car who fled the scene. At the same time, Lytton told her supervisor she was leaving as her son had just been involved in a hit and run. She also had the nerve to ask her supervisor for money, claiming she needed it for gas money to take her son to the hospital. But she didn't go to the hospital, no. She went to a friend's home to use their phone charger before meeting Presley at the scene of the fake accident. Blake was rushed to Bothwell Hospital, where it was immediately evident to doctors that the little boy's injuries were not consistent with a hit-and-run accident. Highway patrol troopers also questioned Presley's story, as there was no skid marks on the road, and in their experience, Blake did not appear as how someone would after being hit by a vehicle. Doctors would spend more than an hour trying to resuscitate Blake, but it was too late. Blake was cold to the touch and stiff, having been in the early stages of rigor mortis. Three-year-old Blake Lytton would be pronounced dead, ten days before what would have been his fourth birthday. Heartbreakingly, Blake died alone. His mother, Jamie Lytton, didn't go to the hospital to be with him. Instead, she left Faith again with Presley and went to her mother's house to tell her Blake had had a tragic accident. I cannot believe this woman. She leaves her daughter again with a man who she knows literally just beat her son to death. Presley didn't bother going to the hospital either. I mean, why would he? He went to a neighbour's house with a little girl. According to the medical examiner, Blake's cause of death was due to multiple blunt force traumas, including a lacerated liver and a ruptured blood vessel in his brain. Bruises and lacerations were also evident on his head, neck, torso, bottom, legs and arms. When confronted with Blake's injuries, Presley said he didn't exactly remember how or why he beat Blake, that when he got angry, he blacked out, that he didn't realise he had taken his discipline too far until it was too late. Presley said that he and Lytton were having relationship problems, that he thought Lytton was having an affair with a man at her work, that she would go and do that while he was watching her kids. Soon thereafter, Blake's mother, Jamie Litton, and her then-boyfriend, T.J. Presley, were charged in the boy's death. A Missouri state trooper testified today in Jamie Litton's preliminary hearing that the couple exchanged multiple text messages about the boy's welfare early that morning. At 3.30 a.m., Presley texted that he had lost it when Blake messed his pants. At 4 a.m., Presley said Blake's body was black and purple. Several more messages followed. Until finally, at 4.45, Presley said he thought Blake was paralyzed. Fifteen minutes later, Presley drove Blake and his sister to the Golden Age Nursing Center, where Lytton was working at the time. According to testimony, Lytton said her son was hunched over, but breathing softly. 
A three-minute period passed before Presley drove away with her children once again. Litton went back to work. 911 wasn't called until 10 minutes later when Presley called police about the alleged hit-and-run crash. Blake was pronounced dead at the hospital, and those who loved him most tell me they believe today he is in heaven. Presley was charged with second-degree murder, as well as two counts of endangering the welfare of a child. He was also charged with abusing a child resulting in death. Jamie Litton was also charged with second-degree murder, as well as endangering the welfare of a child. These charges were filed against Litton because, quote, she knew what was going on and failed to act, unquote. Both would plead not guilty. After Litton and Presley were arrested, Faith was placed in protective custody. And given what happened to her big brother, she was given a medical well-being check. It would be determined Faith had a broken wrist and bruises on her head, bottom, legs, torso and arms. Faith was also missing a patch of her hair that had started to grow back above a bruise on her head. Doctors also discovered her liver enzymes were elevated, which indicates a blunt force injury to the liver. Given that Faith's injuries were so similar to Blake's, police wanted to speak to her. Even though this baby was only three years old, she was articulate and very aware what happened to her and Blake was not right. Faith told police Presley had punched Blake in the mouth because he pooped, and that she witnessed Presley put her brother in the bathtub and, quote, hit him with the bathtub a lot, unquote. That Blake kept pooping more while this was happening. I really hope this little girl has had the therapy made available to deal with this trauma and losing her beloved big brother. I could not imagine. Faith is now in the custody of her maternal grandmother and grandfather, Jim and Levera Miller. The publicity from Blake's murder and the proceeding trial received national attention. The Morgan County Prosecutor's Office was flooded with phone calls after Nancy Grace issued a call for action on her TV show. In a message posted on her website... Nancy said, quote, These people should be charged with first-degree capital murder and face the death penalty, unquote. While awaiting trial, and you guys are not going to believe this, Lytton would be held in La Cede County Jail, where she intentionally clogged a toilet in her jail cell. A guard and a male inmate went to fix the problem. The issue was, the guard just let the inmate into Lytton's cell without supervision, and the inmate attended to more than the toilet pipes, if you get what I'm saying. And Lytton becomes pregnant. You cannot make this stuff up. March 27, 2015. Thomas Presley's criminal trial commenced in a Cass County courtroom in front of Judge Kenneth Hayden. He would be found guilty of first-degree murder and of child abuse resulting in death. The prosecution did not seek the death penalty, even though they very well could have. Instead, Presley was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Jamie Litton's trial was scheduled for March 28, 2015 at the Camden Court courtroom. Litton changed her plea to guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. It is not clear if her prison pregnancy was viable, as I couldn't find anything in my research to confirm either way. But if this child was born, he or she would now be in the foster care system. 
Uh, Blake's father will be embraced tonight by the love of his hometown. In just about an hour, this parking lot behind me will hopefully be filled with friends, family, and strangers who just want to take a stand against child abuse. Now, I spent the afternoon in Sweet Springs, and I can tell you this town is reeling with pain. Blake's death is the center of conversation at gas stations, restaurants, and in homes. It seems no one can understand how the abuse that eventually killed Blake went unnoticed. The Morgan County Sheriff says the abuse had been reported, but that the that the system failed Blake because not enough was done to stop that abuse. Now, one woman close to the family told me today the town of Sweet Springs wants to make sure it does its part to make sure no other children slip between the cracks. I don't think anything could ever explain it. And really, I don't think there could ever be justice for it. You know, no matter if you see something, hear something, even if you think you hear something, you need to do something. Now, these pictures were taken in December at a studio in Higginsville. Blake was supposed to have his four-year portraits taken this Saturday. Monday would have been his fourth birthday. Blake Litton is buried near his grandparents' home in Sweet Springs, Maine. His plaque showing Blake's picture, his smiling face beaming at those who visit his gravesite. Blake's grandfather, Jim, said it took him and his wife several years before they could spend time at Blake's resting place due to the pain it caused them knowing he was gone, but that it is comforting to them that he's still close by. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice, and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.